0: And it's even uh, questionable whether, if the Fed kind of pairs back and pivots, whether investors are going to buy into it, but uh, we'll have to wait and see.
1: Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Shop with our trusted partner, Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website, or call 307 307- Hey everybody, this is Rob Kintz with GoldSilverPros.com. We're recording this on October 21st, 2022. I have a first time special guest of the program is Mario Ineco. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Robert.
0: Nice to uh, uh, be speaking with you.
1: Yeah, thank you for joining the program. Um, Your your program has been a favorite of my viewers for a long time. We got lots of requests to have you on the show and, and thought now in particular with go- what's going on globally would be a, a great time to get your perspective from across the pond. So that's kind of where I wanted to start. It just seems like a lot of stuff is going on for the UK right now. Can you give us a rundown of what you think is occurring and, and what the significance of that could be, to, I guess, to the rest of us?
0: Yeah, I think we have to go back uh, many decades, but I'll just go back to uh, 2008 and nine, Uh And uh, the uh, that crisis was never really solved. There's nothing, no consequence uh, of that crisis. Many people watched the big short <laughs> and they made a joke at the end. Oh, and all these bankers were jailed and you know, they changed everything. Bank reforms. Oh, no, that didn't happen. And, and uh, we've continued on the same system. And uh, we had to bail out as taxpayers uh, the the system and, and uh, ourselves because a lot of people uh, had a lot of uh, big mortgages <laughs> and and they couldn't lose that politically in this country here in the UK real estate is really important property mm-hmm. because we've become even more deindustrialized than in the U.S. and we're like a consumer-based economy mm-hmm. so it's been growing and growing we we've had zero rates up until recently end of 2021 huge QE not just after 08 but after a uh, In 2020, as well, uh, rates back to zero. And then um, the the Bank of England, like the Fed, uh, dragged its feet, didn't raise rates. And it's just been a combination of uh, uh, crises after another and incompetence from central bankers and, and, and politicians. And it's not doesn't surprise me because like you have been uh, saying, uh, you told me before we started, you've been expecting this for 13 years. And so have I, because I, I've read uh, history in the past and mm-hmm. how all the symptoms have been accumulating. And uh, yes, the mainstream is going to blame a mini budget by the new uh, well, she just resigned, but she's still uh, uh, there uh, as prime minister. They're going to blame her mini budget for But all it did, it just triggered an even uh, bigger collapse of things. Mm-hmm. It already had started uh, unraveling. Uh, even in the U.S., you look at the 10-year yield started uh, 2022 at one and a half. Uh, this afternoon, uh, London time, we, we just hit almost 435 and in the UK, it's even even worse. And we don't have the major reserve currency here. So mm-hmm. it's not as easy for us to keep inflating. And um, yeah, and that, that's where we are in, in the UK. And the other thing as well, things uh, are getting really unraveling really quickly because I'll make a video one morning and then an hour later, someone resigns or the Bank of England backtracks. <laughs> it's really hard mm-hmm. to keep. Keeping uh, keep pace with things, uh, things that used to take months or even a year or two to to change are changing in the matter of hours, and uh, that's really unheard of.
1: Yeah, I've I've called this period the quickening, uh, kind of after the Highlander movies, just because it seems like everything's moving faster than than almost even we can process, and that's something we were talking about before we before we started recording. Things are just moving so fast. How does the average person keep up? It's almost like they're watching a tennis match. You know, it's back and forth. And and for the average person who doesn't do what we do every day and analyzing the markets and giving our opinions, how how do they process what's going on? Can they even grasp really, Mario, do you think what's going on right now?
0: Uh, unless they're watching us uh, or they have some uh, knowledge of the market. And even then, I think it's really difficult. They aren't. They, they're completely oblivious to what's happening under the surface and i think a lot of people will be um yeah will be shocked uh, i think uh, with uh what transpires and i don't know exactly what it's going to be but uh, it's not going to be pretty uh, we saw here in the uk a few weeks ago uh potentially uh many people who had, uh, private final pe- final uh, salary or defined benefit pension, they could have been wiped out and be left only with a small state pension. So, and, and I think uh, maybe people are waking up now because that came out in the news. And, and that's why you look at the, the bullion dealers here in the UK. Uh, <laughs> they're saying on their websites, like a notice uh, due to very high, uh, demand, <laughs> it's going to take three to five business days to get your order through. So uh, maybe people are waking up and seeing that they need a foot outside the system.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that's true. And we've been hearing reports. Of course, here in, in Texas, we had a, a billionaires order 50 million in precious metals um, from Miles Franklin. Andy came on our show and was talking about that. And we've seen big orders come through You know the, the, the other dealers that we're affiliated with, with as well and then i uh, somebody told me yesterday that i trust in the industry that one of the largest mints uh, presidents had told him yesterday that the mints are now starting to order and pull metal off of comex because he can't get it from the refiners so it appears as though it's specifically with silver so it appears as though with silver we're really in a shortage condition where there's just not enough coming out from the mines and it seems to be you know positive for silver going forward What's your view on the precious metals going forward? Do you think, given all the the geopolitical mess that we have going on in Europe and, and the economic issues I think most of the West is having, what's your view on, on where the precious metals will be?
0: Well, precious metals, they, they always outperform fiat currencies over the long term, so I'm not concerned about that. And they have done well uh, for us here in the UK. I think we're up all over 10% in terms of uh, the gold price. in Sterling, you look at Japan. Uh, today, the the dollar reached another high, uh, not all-time high, but it's like a, almost 152. I think uh, the Japanese uh, yen price of gold also is at almost all-time highs. And uh, I, I think eventually the same thing will happen to the dollar. The reason uh, the dollar is... Uh, strong against gold. I think it's uh, mainly because it's still the uh, major reserve currency. So when the system is under pressure, the whole monetary system, the periphery will suffer first, and people will go to the dollar. But eventually, uh, I just saw (laughs) just before I came on that uh, the uh, Fed uh, whisperer, and they call him Nick, uh, I forgot his surname. He, He writes for the Wall Street Journal. He just came out and said that uh the fed is thinking about uh, moderating its hikes so mm-hmm. it, it was a hint and and you can see by the the gold and silver price they've picked up and it's probably because of the uh the bond market the the 10 year yield the, the treasury treasury yields are rising very quickly and and it's not just in the us of course in the uk uh, they spiked uh, a couple of weeks ago and they're still spiking and, but we're seeing german the German ten-year yield, uh, I think it hit minus eighty-five basis points in 2020, and we're now at two and a half percent, which is still uh, historically low, I would say. Because I remember uh, working in the German uh, government bond market, and the the Bund future, the you know the uh, the uh, contract spec is a six percent ten-year Bund uh, uh, bond. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we're still at two and a half. So I think there's still a long way to go. So this seems to be uh, people getting out of fiat currencies and uh, out of the bonds as well. And uh, I don't think, uh, I think, unfortunately, a lot of, not unfortunately, but a lot of people in the mainstream and even some in the alternative uh, thought that uh, bond yields would go back down to like two or one. They might go down a little bit if the central banks pivot completely. But um, they're not going to go down to a lower level. It's going to be a matter of now higher highs and higher lows and bond yields uh, for the next few decades. So uh, that's how I see it. Um, and, uh, and it's even uh, questionable whether if the Fed kind of pairs back and pivots whether investors are going to buy into it, but uh, we'll have to wait and see.
1: Do you think the UK area is now stabilized given, you know, the recent actions of the central bank, or do you think that the political class is still trying to figure out what's going on? And and do you feel as though you're out of the woods at this
0: point? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. And that's the simple answer. And, and I think the the bank of England is uh, been uh, dragging. They've been dragging their feet. Uh, They first announced QT in the beginning of August, and they said, we'll probably start in the beginning of September. And this was before the mini budget and everything, and they never did. Now they're saying, oh, we're going to start. They came out and said, oh, in December, we're going to announce the plans for our QT in the first quarter of 2023. So they keep dragging their feet. We we have uh two measures of prices here, the CPI that came out at 10.1, but there's another one called the retail price index which measures uh council taxes, local taxes and, and also uh, mm-hmm. uh mortgage mortgage servicing. That was like 12.6 and despite that, we're still uh, Bank of England rate is still just over 2%. So Yeah, I don't see them uh, being able to raise rates too much. And and, uh, I don't see um, political uh, leadership, there is none. Uh, The thing is, uh, the situation is so bad, and you know about that, (laughs) uh, the the symptoms of uh, over-indebtedness, inflation, Mm -hmm. uh, and political chaos and mayhem is one of the symptoms of hyperinflation, as we saw in France in the 1790s and Weimar, Germany. Mm -hmm. So even though we're not getting assassinations in the UK, uh, we might as well be getting them because everything is so, uh, out of whack, you know, Mm -hmm. to think that Boris Johnson could come back as prime minister is just a joke. And, And, uh, Even if we have general elections, the other side of the aisle, uh, they're not any better. They will probably be even worse. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're not out of the woods, uh, I don't think, uh, personally.
1: What do you think it's meant for the BRICS nations to form their own currency, as Russia said, that they were doing their own challenger to the dollar and all of the trade agreements that they've made? What does that say for the long term viability of the dollar in, in your eyes?
0: Well, I don't think it's uh, it means the end of the dollar. It just means that there will be less demand for dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get a lot of comments. Uh, well, these brick countries, they're dictatorships. They're like third world countries. That may be so, but if uh, they don't uh, use the dollar to buy their uh, imports, uh, they're going to be using something else. And uh, even if they are dictatorships or not as developed or, or uh, advanced, uh, they're still not going to, they're going to decrease the amount of dollars they use. And I think uh, in the past countries have tried to do that uh, like uh, Iraq Mm -hmm. and and Libya, and we know what happened to them, but now uh, the, uh, the BRICS uh, are becoming, they are powerful uh, nations. And it's very hard, I think, for, for the West to just punish uh, the BRICS, and we we've seen recently that even Saudi Arabia, uh, according to the, I think to the uh, South African president, said that they they're thinking of joining. So yeah, um, the dollar will still be around, just like the pound still around, uh, after being the reserve currency in the nineteenth century up to in the run up to World War One, but it's a lot weaker and not as significant. And I think the same will be for the dollar. Uh, but what it will mean for Americans is that everything's going to be more expensive, the things that they need to survive on. And uh, it could be a, a good thing in the long term, a blessing in disguise. It means that Americans will have to start producing things and, and exporting them uh, to earn their way in the world. Because with the reserve currency, they, they've had the uh, you know, that, that term, the exorbitant privilege, just to print print the money and buy whatever they want while other people have had to earn
1: their way. Yeah, that's a good point you bring out about the US. Whoever has a dominant reserve currency tends to have basically pricing power in the market and eventually moves to more service-based economy. There have been um, some whispers of bringing uh, manufacturing in particular back to the United States in political circles, even in the the liberal parties, are beginning to recognize that uh, that that would support the dollar a lot more than what's going on. So I think they they haven't typically come across as being the wisest of the two political classes fiscally. But I think even they're starting to get it just a little bit. So I do think we're going to go through some pain here in the U.S. before that happens. Certainly, as we unwind, you know, this beast that that we have created with the system. And and at the end of the day, given all the pain that's going on across the world, I ultimately think Americans are going to take the most, just because. Uh, we're going to lose the benefits that we had with that dollar. And you can you can start to see this around, you can start to see businesses failing, you can start to see infrastructure aging. It reminds me of when I read about the fall of Rome and and how that just gradually occurred, how our infrastructure started failing. The values of society had changed quite a bit. It wasn't quite as cohesive. I, I feel as though that's what's going on in America right now. I don't know how you feel out there, but I, I suppose Europe is probably going through much of the, uh, of the same thing as well that we are.
0: Yeah. I think Europe has been a much longer, uh, decline. I, I would say since world war one, it's been, uh, unfortunate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I haven't been to the U S in a while, but I, I've noticed, uh, I, I read about it a lot and I see videos about the infrastructure mm-hmm. and actually, uh, in the EU, I'm not in the EU anymore, being in the UK. But I went to uh, Madeira, uh, which is a Portuguese island in the off the uh, Morocco in the Atlantic. But even there, the infrastructure is great. Uh, 180 tunnels, really good um, motorways or highways. And I spoke uh, one of the tour uh, the guys who drove us around said, "Well." Uh, it's been the EU that has given uh, Portugal all the money to build this infrastructure for the last 30 years. So there has been some of that here. And I think uh, the US, unfortunately, has been too focused on uh, fighting wars and uh, all the trillions that should have gone into infrastructure have been wasted in places like Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, I guess the military industrial complex has benefited from it, but not the American public.
1: What are your thoughts on the middle-class? I know your recent comments have been the middle-class basically is eroding away. And I think that's what a lot of us feel. Do you, and you, but you mentioned there could be good things on the other side of this. when we go through the financial reset. Do you suspect that the middle-class will be making a comeback after we get through all of this mess or do you, do you have a view on that?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. They, they should make a comeback, but it's not going to be overnight. And, and I think uh, the closing of the gold window in 1971 uh, had a big impact on that. And um, yeah, because uh, it diluted uh, average workers' salaries, <laughs> and it still does. Mm-hmm. It's it helped just the, uh, the top one or ten percent really. even the Federal Reserve has really good good data on that on on the uh, uh, distribution of uh, uh, wealth in the. US And you look at uh, 1989, I think it goes as far back as 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top one percent they had
1: uh, they have a
0: lot more wealth now than they did then and the mm-hmm. bottom 90 is stuck uh, just below f- four or five percent and uh but yeah uh i I think uh yeah things look bad uh right now but uh i think um the way things are turning eventually it can only get better you know i'm not a pessimist i just try to see how things are Mm -hmm. and uh but uh the middle class um will have to Uh, They'll have to work hard, you know, but hopefully they'll have uh, all the better jobs will come back to the US and and it might because uh, if the dollar goes down a lot, you could see some foreign investment coming in Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, making it worthwhile for for people to uh, uh, start building factories and other things in the US.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. What I want, last question I want to ask you is the role of energy. Energy has gotten quite a bit more expensive and it seems as though we're kind of going back to almost a regional energy markets, given the geopolitical scene going on right now, at least the sanctions have sort of created a wall between East and West. What's your view on energy going forward? Do you think there's a temporary phenomenon where energy prices are going to be up due to geopolitical or do you, what's your view on energy going forward just in general? How much of a role do you think that's going to play in the, in the world economies?
0: Well, it's really important energy, of course, because the economies can't run without energy. Here in the UK, I think uh, a big part of the crisis, uh, aside from the Ukraine, has been um, this move to towards this zero uh, carbon, net carbon, net zero. And this has uh, been part of this, uh, what they call here, the Climate Change Act, which was passed in the middle of the 08 crisis. And I don't think many people noticed it. And and, uh, and, and that's led for the to the government subsidizing all these alternative energy sources that are very inefficient and expensive. And uh, yeah, so uh, I think energy is going to be very important going forward. My hope is that we abandon all this, uh, climate change agenda, even though it's very strong right now and go back more, you know, to, uh, the UK, Britain is sitting on <laughs> a, a lot of coal. Uh, why can't we use that? And, uh, I think recently in, in parliament, they actually, uh, voted through, uh, a law to allow fracking in the UK, which is a good, good start. And, and in the U S, uh, <laughs> it's really uh, mixed as well, but I, unfortunately, I think that Inflation Reduction Act, that, that was like a, a green energy, uh, kind of like our Climate Change Act in, from 08 in disguise. So uh, I don't think that's very good. The U.S. should be uh, totally energy uh, independent. Um, I don't know if you heard of Lindsay Williams. He talks about how when he worked in Alaska as a chaplain for oil for an oil big oil company, Atlantic Richfield, they found the biggest oil fields in the north slope of Alaska, but it hasn't been touched for 50 years. Uh, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe now the U.S. could tap that.
1: Who knows? The climate change agenda has been an interesting one. Certainly people want you know better climate, better environment. A lot of that research, I think, has come under fire. I, I don't believe I've ever believed that carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas personally. So I don't believe that part of the narrative, but uh, it certainly seems to give a lot of power to the political class to shape the energy policy going forward. And I do think that there are, especially, like you said, in the US, we have tons of energy. We have natural gas. We have plenty of shales that, that we can frack from. We have oil, uh, tons of it. We have coal for energy. We also have thorium, if that ever gets developed as an alternative to uh, uranium. So I certainly think that we have the capability of being energy independent, but I think it's going to maybe take a crisis to get us there because all of the plans, I think uh, the different political classes around the world for this, this climate change agenda all seem good on paper until you actually run them. And we see what's happened in Germany when they turned down their nuclear and then they ran into issues uh, you know, with Russia and, and natural gas. That looks like it's a could potentially be a horrible situation going into the winter. So for me, the energy question is also a really big one. And I do think that we need to go back to looking at more realistic alternatives to the energy situation than what the political class has now, but it may take a crisis to get there. And hopefully the crisis is, you know, is not too bad in Europe and 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 hopefully people come to their senses. Uh, maybe Germany will use some coal this winter because I know they're sitting on some of it as well. Hopefully that situation gets resolved, but if it doesn't, Mario, what do you think Europe is going to look like on the other side of this winter if they don't figure out the energy situation?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's going to be a deep recession, I think, no matter what happens, because mm-hmm. I think it's a bit late now to, uh, to solve the problem. And uh, maybe people will, uh, the public will uh, get, uh, you know, so angry that uh, the politicians are going to have to do a U-turn. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the hope. Uh, that I have here in the UK uh, as well. It's not gonna be any different than um, in, on the continent. And I think the UK, um, for example, we haven't stored that much natural gas. So um, I think we only have three to 5% stored for winter, uh, which isn't good. And they're even oh, talking about um, black, blackouts like in January and February uh, at night, a few hours, which is uh, something that shouldn't really be happening.
1: Yeah. Mario, thank you so much for coming on the program. I'd love to have you on again, but appreciate your perspective from across the pond. Uh,
0: You're welcome. And thanks uh,
1: for having me on your channel. Absolutely.